Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Coffee Talk ramble of Dear Dollar Diary. A to D, you can see that in the title of this episode, A to D is accumulation to distribution. And I'm calling this one Guilty Confessions of the Millionaire Next Door. So grab a cup of coffee on this September 1st, Wednesday morning. And join me while I share my thoughts with you about what I'm thinking, my thoughts of the week, my money thoughts of the week. And I have to tell you first, I have not yet done my homework assignment that I told you about that I'll be doing over the next month or so, probably the next several weeks, which I'm dragging my feet, my homework, which is, as you know, working with Vanguard Advisory Services, I'm wanting to really nail down exactly what my healthcare costs will be, the premiums, if I decide to quit my job next year, you guys know I'm going through this role play scenario of thinking through what would it be like if I decide to quit my W-2 job and live off of my investments. So I'm encouraging all of my listeners that as you go through your financial journey, if you get to a point where you can kind of role play with yourself, I think that's how you can find success in whatever you want to achieve whether it be you're at my point, you know, at age 56, where I'm going to be actually next year, I'll be 56, um, thinking about early retirement and what that looks like. Or if you're in the beginning of your financial journeys, always having the ability to visualize your future and see it on paper first. So I hope that I'll teach you through today's episode and all of my Dear Dollar Diary episodes where I talk through my thought process with you as if I'm writing in a diary. So that's what I'm doing early this morning on Wednesday, September 1st. So join me, grab a beverage, and listen to this episode where I talk through where I'm at right now. And it again, this is called Guilty Confessions of the Millionaire Next Door. So I'll be getting to those guilty confessions here in just a little while. So stay tuned because... I'm really reflective of being true to myself, and I want to share that with you because through wealth, I think we can discover our true self. So stay tuned for that. Um, But first, I just want to go back in time a little bit to one of my episodes in season one. It was episode number 27 on August 8th of 2020. So if you want, after this episode, maybe go listen to that. Um, A lot of times I go back and I spot check to things in the past because as, as you know, doing a podcast, this is my journey that I'm sharing with you and you guys have your journey that you're on. And I'm sure you write things down to track your progress. And I went back and listened to this episode where it was, again, August 8th of 2020, where my net worth finally got to a million dollars, which is what I had worked on for 15 years to achieve. So I wanted to listen to that in preparation for this one. Um, And just to pause briefly here and talk through some of the things I discussed, I used to talk about on this podcast a lot about the S&P 500, you may recall, right? Almost every episode, I started by saying, hey, everybody that's listening, the S&P 500 is this today. And I, I soon discovered, really, that, as you know, nobody knows what's going to happen in the market. You know, I was thinking that we would be in a recession 
by now, and yet that's not really happening. And in fact, a lot of folks like Goldman Sachs, for example, are predicting that the S&P 500 could get to 4,700 by the time we even get to the end of this year. So September, October, November, December, four more months, and the S&P 500 could continue to go up to approximately 4,700, which is their prediction, because companies are reporting strong earnings growth and the Federal Reserve maintains its pandemic-era monetary stimulus packages, right? So it is interesting that I... I'm not really talking anymore about the S&P 500 because just like you, just like anybody, nobody knows what's happening. And we have to position ourselves regardless for the greatest probability of success, no matter what's happening in the landscape of the S&P 500. So, but it's interesting when I listened to the August 8th episode, I had said that we were currently you know, a little over a year ago at the S&P 500 was like 33.51 and it had really climbed from the all-time low of 2237 in March of 2020 when remember the market went down considerably because of the pandemic and if you were patient and you kept your money there good for you kudos that's what you should be doing and then it climbed back up, obviously, right? So when I was producing the August 8th episode where I finally got to a net worth of a million dollars, the S&P 500 was at 33.51, which was right back up there to the all-time high at that time of 33.86, okay? So now, as I'm producing this episode, we're up to like 4,500 or maybe a little bit above that. So it is continuing to climb. And as we look back over the S&P 500 of the past several years, um, just by going to Google, you can type in S&P 500 year-by-year year analysis, and you'll see that we have such high numbers. It's almost even, it's unbelievable to even think this way. Um, but in 2019, it was a 29% increase. 2020, even with the downward trajectory that we had in that V-shaped recovery, we ended at 16%. And now 2021, we are at about a 20% increase in the S&P 500. So yeah, I, I produced one episode in season one as well, like S&P 500, what's going on? And so these are really great things. So take this as a gift, and we always should take things as a gift in the landscape, but always be wondering and thinking and preparing for the, the storm that could be happening if a recession comes. So just wanted to kind of share my thoughts with you um, over a year ago of how I was feeling, how elated and happy I was for myself to get to a point to where I had finally got to, you know, that took so many years to get to. So for you guys listening to me right now, if you are <clears throat> going through your own financial journey, which I'm sure you are, pat yourself on the back for every single milestone that you get to, right? Always be thankful for what you're doing and never look back and forgive yourself for any mistakes that you made. Um, so I also want to say that the... Um, Again, the S&P 500, again, is super high right now. And as I was listening to that episode from August 8th of 2020, episode number 27, 
which I think was called Bring Yourself to the Numbers and Add Them Up, I had made a note in my notes here that in that episode, I said that my investments in savings alone were at $862,000. Well, right now, my savings and investing numbers are at $1.1 million. Now, that is not including net worth. Remember how net worth for me, because I don't have any debt, but I do have a condo that's paid for. Um, and at the time, a year a year and a month ago, it was about 130000 Well, now my condo's worth about one seventy because as you know, the market is continuing to go up, the real estate market. I'm not even going to include that in this number right now. But my savings and my investments alone are at $1.1 million. So <clears throat> that's an increase um, in gain of 238000 just in one year. And so you guys know me. I like to go back and cross-check with dinkytown.net calculators and look at my own numbers. And so I just did a real quick analysis. And that 238000 of gain represents two things. One, as you know... Uh, 62000 of my own money principal going into the bucket, right? So you have to take that into account. And then 176000 of what we call unrealized gains. It could be dividends, um, it could be interest, and it could be things like that. So let's just call that unrealized gains. So 176 plus 62 is the 238, which also then when you cross-check to Dinkytown and you look at a calculator, and you just put in a one-year analysis just for fun, that does match the 20% or so that we have in the S&P 500 right now. <clears throat> so I say to myself, okay, that does definitely makes sense. And as I continue through this episode and I talk through um, what's I'm going to be talking about next, which is how I feel a little bit guilty, and it's actually good things, but I still feel guilty. Um, I'll get to that here in just a minute. You know, it's interesting then to look at your numbers and say, wow, you know, this is amazing at how far you have probably come over this past year, no matter where you are in your financial journey. So let me segue into the content really of this ep episode, which, by the way, grab your coffee if you want to. Um, early in the morning here that I'm dropping this episode and just chatting with you about my money thoughts. I really want to segue now into talking through some things that I've uh, talked to Vanguard about <clears throat> and, you know, making myself comfortable in terms of if I'm going to be quitting my job. And again, you guys know, I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. I'm just role playing. So I want to feel like a hundred percent comfort in my decisions, but I have to tell you, this is a good place to be. I don't hate my job. I like my job, but I don't need my job. So I may continue. So this is a place where you want to try to position yourself in as you build your wealth and you get closer to your financial independent number. Okay. So you just want to have choices in your life. And that's what I'm exploring. And I, you know, have to feel comfort as I just mentioned a minute ago. And so as I'm listening to podcasts, for example, Afford Anything, I was listening to Paula and Joe talk to a listener about something that resonated with me. So this in part is inspired by a conversation that I heard them have. And it's also um, inspired by my discussions with Dan, the man, my financial advisor at Vanguard that I'm working with, as you know, 
through their advisory services. And so as I then take this information away, I look at my numbers and I think, okay, how can I, in my mind, make this work so that I have that comfort level? And so what I came up with first is, um, let me give you one of the guilty ple- or the guilty confessions that I have, that I really want to be true to myself. And I do believe in a recent episode, I said to you that through your financial journey, as you get to become more wealthy, you really find yourself in that whole process. And that's what's happening to me right now is that I'm finding self through wealth. So, you know, you guys know, you've listened to my back episodes where I wanted to do other things when I was in college, you know, and I get older and I become more reality based more than a fantasy based. And so I was, you know, doing certain things and finding a job career path that gave me the money. And I was still happy, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't really truly in line with my passions in life. But I did it anyway, because I wanted to get to this place and I was still happy during that time. And yet, as you get closer to thinking about the money that you have and your ability to have choices, this is what happens. I'll be completely honest with you. And this is not a guilty confession, but something I wanted to share with you first is that as you become wealthier and you think about the ability to stop working, there's an interesting dynamic that happens within you. And it is this. You start to realize that feelings bubble up to the surface that you used to repress. Let me say that again, because I think it's super important and something that if I were to be completely honest with you, that's what's happening with me. So as I get wealthier, what happens, and this will happen for you as well, is that if you are in some way repressing certain feelings and emotions because you want to choose happiness, which is important, and we should all choose happiness, and I do, but as you discover that you have choices, then it could be that these feelings come up within you and you allow them to come to the surface. And that's exactly what I'm going through right now. I'm allowing these feelings to come up. The feelings I've had of creating and being a visionary and having more of a creative type of a mindset with things that I do that make me happy. And I'm not saying it has to be Um, an income producing adventure. It could be a hobby. It could be all sorts of things. Like for me, this podcast, as you know, is a complete hobby. I want to venture into YouTube. I want to do all these things that tie together my passions from when I was younger and I was going to college and I learned all about video and audio and radio and television. And so just because that didn't happen in my real life and I accepted that because that at the time, you know, and even now is a very competitive market, I segued into a different profession, which I love just as much, not not probably as much, but it was more of a secure route, as you know, right? Over the many years, I kept getting more increases. And yes, I had creativity in my job, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't what I went out for. So as you get older, then you start realizing that, okay, these feelings start to come up. And I'm only allowing them, by the way, to come up because of the fact that I got to where I wanted to be and I have choices. So that's a good thing. You discover self through the wealth that you build in your life. 
So that's what's happening to me now. And that is why I'm creating these episodes of Dear Dollar Diary to let you get into my whole thought process. And I hope this helps you guys too. So as you are going through your financial journey, if you have to delay some of the gratification of creativity or anything that you really perhaps want to be doing with your time, then allow that to happen because I have to tell you, you know, being sitting here now at 55 and having these choices is so much greater than if I didn't do what I did. And if I got here and I, I still owed a lot of money and I needed my income and my W-2 job, I would be miserable. There is no way that I would be happy right now because those feelings would have kept bubbling up and I would not have allowed them to come, right? I, I, I just would have kept suppressing them and that would have been a very unhappy thing then at that point because 15 years is a long time and I've changed and now I'm letting these feelings come up and it, it excites me and there's an adrenaline rush and that's why I'm creating this podcast and all sorts of things. So it's really great. But let me segue into a little bit of what I had prepared for today's episode, which is you might be wondering, what are Evan's guilty confessions? Why am I feeling a little bit guilty right now? And let me do my best to explain this because it's really hard. I'm digging deep into my thoughts and my feelings here. And I, I want to um, actually say that the first one is that spending money on once does not really make me happy. Okay, I just said it. Spending money on once, things that I may want or that society tells me I want, really doesn't make me happy. So let me talk about travel here for a minute. So you guys know, as a lot of people in the community, the financial independent community, or even people retiring just in general, what do people think of most when they think about retirement? They say they want to travel the world, okay? And they want to spend all this money. So they're continuing to work year after year, year after year, year after year to get to 2 million to 3 million or whatever it is so they that they can have this luxurious fat fire, um, you know, this, uh, you know, all this money that they can spend on travel. Well, you know what? It makes me nervous still to this day. And it's so much a part of who I am. As you guys know, going through super lean years, I don't know that I can just turn around and change that, nor do I think I should have to change that just because somebody tells me that I should be thinking that way. I was watching a YouTube channel just recently, this guy that I follow, and he had spent, I think he said $400 maybe, you know, for a, a hostel in San Diego. I guess he went from Montana to San Diego just for a weekend and spent $400 for three nights in a hostel but then he had to pay for the flight and food. And I'm thinking to myself, that might be what, 800, maybe $1,000 just for a weekend. Okay. And then I look at myself and I know, and I've shared with you guys before that I, hold on, that I've never spent more than $600 on one vacation. I did a lot of cruises for a little while and I love cruises. And so I was okay with spending about 600 for a cruise, which I think is really great and all, but that's who I am. Why would I want to deny myself? Why would I have to say to myself that society is saying that I should spend more money on travel because everybody does it? No, be true to yourself. 
And, you know, just listening to this guy say that he spent a thousand dollars, knowing that this person also is, doesn't have much money, right? Saved up in investments like I do. And, you know, people, younger people are still willing to spend that money, even though they don't have much savings. And so I just never felt that way. It's never who I became after my bankruptcy and through those lean years. And so I don't want to continue to work for two, three, four, five, six more years just to then say that I can spend all this money on this travel because it does not make me happy. I have to be true to myself. That is not going to make me happy. And here's why as well, because you guys know that for the past 17 years, that's a long time, the past 17 years, I have traveled with my job all over the country, all over the United States. I've been to Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Washington, D.C., Seattle, Washington, New York City, Michigan, San Diego, Los Angeles, Hawaii, Rhode Island, Tennessee, Illinois, Chicago, you know, Phoenix, Arizona. I've been to all of these places every single month almost or every other month for business, of course. And yet it gave me the ability then through weekends, because sometimes I was there for two weeks at a time. And on the company dime, I was able to do all of these things and go to these places again for 17 years. Now, have I had I not had that experience, then maybe I would be sitting here today and saying that I want to work for a few more years so I can save a lot of money so I can then spend it all on travel and have those types of experiences. But it's so much a part of what I've already done that here I am telling you as a confession because I'm, I feel guilty about this because most people, you know, even some of my friends that know how frugal I am think I'm cheap. And I'm like, I think to myself, you know what? Because I'm single right now and, you know, yes, if I was in a relationship, then it could be that I would release more money to do things with that person. And yet as a single person, and for all of you listening that are single, we have a real strong um, ability to save a lot of money because if it's just ourselves, it's we don't have to then buy into somebody else that we're with. And if they're not in line with how we believe, then that could be troublesome and we may spend more money, even though we don't feel like we should be doing that. And so it could be really cognitive dissonance in our brains. And so if you're single, then you do have more of an ability to, you know, think this way. And even if I was in a relationship, I would want to be talking to that person about, you know, that's who who I am. I'm not going to try to go into something and be somebody I'm not. And so that really is the first confession I have that I'm sharing with you, my podcast audience, and also really to myself is I'm tired of really feeling guilty about how frugal I am. We should not beat ourselves up and say, you know, and, you know, if our friends laugh at us and such, you know, we really just have to come back with, this is who I am. I don't want to spend that much money. That doesn't make me happy. Going on walks on the beach in my bare feet make me happy. Being frugal makes me happy. Going to a library and looking for books makes me happy. There are all sorts of things I can do that don't cost money. And I've been doing those for 15 or 20 years now. I'm not going to suddenly change and think that I need to spend a bunch of money. And so why am I sharing this with you? And why am I sharing this with myself right now? Is because, again, I'm building a case in myself for knowing that I need to find that confidence and that courage 
to be able to say, I want to quit my job, but it has to be for the right reasons. And the more I think this way and I share with myself that I don't need that much money, right? Then the more likely I am to go into it being very confident in what I am saying to myself. So that's the first guilty confession I came up with. And I also want to say that frugality and sustainability, that type of a mindset to be thinking about how I can sustain myself over time. You know what, guys, that's what this podcast is going to segue into one day is going to be all about me sharing with you where I'm at and how I'm looking at my money just as much as I was before. And here's what's really great about this. And I've thought about this is that when you get to a point where you say, okay, W2 job is going away. I'm done. I I'll, I have my million or 1.2 or 1.3, whatever it's going to be. It's not going to be much more than that, as you know, but it could be 1.2, let's say somewhere in there. If you know you look at your money and suddenly then the market fluctuations and dividend interest and such, that's your benchmark right there, right? To say to yourself, okay, that's how much money I have. And without putting more money into it, it's so exciting to me to look at that and say, okay, because of market increases, oh my, my goodness, it went up 100,000 or it went down 100,000 or more. But I'll always know what the principle was to begin with. Whereas now, when I just shared with you earlier in this episode where I was putting in money, right, that 62,000, you have to kind of back into the uh, unrealized gains from the interest and the dividends, right? Are you following me? So that excites me as well, knowing that you have this dollar amount of which you start. And that's what the whole concept of the um, the 4% rule really is all about, because you start by pulling the 4%, let's say, off, and then you do a little bit more every year, as you know, right? A little bit more, maybe 43000 the next year, because it might be just um, those little increments up. But your starting point was the 40 grand off of the million. So let me segue now into the last thing I wanted to talk about in this episode here real quick is that, um, again, with listening to Paula Pant and Joe talk on their podcast and also talking about or talking with, I should say, Vanguard Advisory Services, I really came up with a new mindset and I'd like to share that with you right now. And that mindset is this. I just want to talk about for a few minutes here, the 4% rule and anchor it to what Vanguard Advisory Services has given to me. So let me refresh your memory. Uh, as I was working with them, my goal, remember, next year is to be able to live off of $32,000 was my need. Remember, I shared that with you. And so the analysis then of the money that I have right now, I could pull off that 32000 which really only represented like a 3% need, which is below the 4%. And still, it would be able to sustain me then for up until age 100. And remember, we have social security for me that will come in of about 15 to 18,000 at age 67. And so that's filtered into the whole equation of the plan that they have created for me. So I did, I think I also shared with you that that also meant that I could increase it to 40,000 a year and the, the success, the probability of success was still 99%. 
So in my mind, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of wiggle room there. So the I decided to do this little analysis, which is a little bit interesting and kind of uh, just, just the way that I think. As you guys know, I think through things quite a bit. And I thought to myself, well, let's say, for example, and let me give a little some numbers here that I came up with. Let's say I got to $1.1 million um, and I wanted to get, you know, st stop working next year in 2022. Let's just say that's true. And let's say I wanted to pull off 4%. So that's going to be more than my 32,000 need. Because remember, my 32,000 need is 17,000 um, of expenses, remember, that I have today, plus 8,000 forecasting for uh, for paying premiums on healthcare, which by the way, I have not researched that yet, but I will. That'll be probably episode number four here in Dear Dollar Diary. Um, I've been dragging my feet on it, but I'm going to do that. And then about $6,000 of fun money, remember? So, okay, that was like the 32,000, but let's just bump it up and say, let's do a 4% off the 1.1. Well, that's 44,000. Now, remember, depending on where that money gets pulled from. I think Dan, the man, my financial advisor said that they'd probably pull from my 401k from the traditional 401k bucket first. Let's just say that's true. So I'd have to be probably by pulling off 44 grand, that would put me in like the 10% tax bracket, let's say, right for next year. So let's take away 4,400, which leaves then 39,600, which is the net of the 4% withdrawal. So then if you take away 17,000 for my true expenses and a forecast of maybe 8,000 for healthcare premiums, right? Before Medicare kicks in at age 65, well, that's 25,000 there. So let's not put fun money and um, extra in this equation at the moment. Let's just say that we wanted to live off of just the expenses that you really need. So your, your money that you accumulate you know, set fun money aside, which I'm going to do here for a moment, and I'll tell you why. Um, because what I'm trying to get to is a need that is a lower percent or a, a, a portion of that rather than the 4% being the total need. Let me explain it. That might, might be confusing you. <laughs> um, but let me continue on here with these numbers and say we've got 39,600 with the net of the 4%, remember, and then the 25,000 away gives me 14,600 remains as a pad, we'll call it. Now, when I look at this, the 4% really, um, I like to break that into buckets of 10,000, each of which being about 1%. Are you following me? So let's say we've got 10,000, 10,000, 10,000, 10,000. That's 4% of that money that you may have to have how much of that is really the needs or the wants? And that's what's really important in this equation, guys. As you get to financial independence, you want to position yourself so that the withdrawal that you need off of your investments is really more covering the needs and not the wants. So if you have a lot of wants in your life, like I talked about, remember the vacations that some people want to take. And so you continue to work because a lot of your... Uh, money that you need per month is forecasted or um, earmarked for once rather than needs, then that 
puts you in a position where you may have to work a lot longer because you need to finance your your wants. Whereas, you know, looking at my budget of the expenses is really my needs are really two point five or twenty five thousand dollars of the forty thousand that we're going to pull off of potentially, right? Because I'm taking away, remember it was 44,000 minus about the 4,000. So 40,000 is the net need. Only 2.5% of that or 25,000 is for needs. So really, I would not have to take away 4%. If the market goes down, I could still live off of and say for that year, I only need 2.5%. That's a really great thought process and something I've never thought of. And I want you guys to think about it too, as you get older and wealthier and discover self through wealth is that wouldn't it be great to position yourself so that your expenses are so low that your need off of that withdrawal is only two and a half percent and not 4%. That's huge. That's how you can position yourself and think and give you the why in terms of why expenses should be so low. I mean, I know people can tell you all the time, keep your expenses really low. Well, why? Well, here's why. Because when you get to a point where you're pulling money off of your investments, even though you can, in a really good year, pull the 4% off and have all this extra money, about 15,000 remains for fun money, great. Then you can spend that in that year. And then that's gonna give me the ability to say, okay, Evan, you can spend some money and do a vacation or two, right? But I know deep in my heart that I don't need that. And it's that need is only 2.5%. I need the 17,000 for my expenses. And I need the 8,000, which makes the 25,000. I need that eight for healthcare if I want to quit working before age 65. But that still, again, is such a low number makes me feel super confident going into this because again, I really don't need to pull that off. So let's say, for example, I decide to retire. And as I think about closing this episode, because I'm rambling a little bit, I know that I've had too much coffee, too much caffeine. Hold on. Um, But I just want to say, as I close this episode is that dynamic spending then is really super important. So I'm just building my confidence, right? And if I get to a point where I quit my job and I say, okay, Evan, you only need 2.5, I'll feel so confident knowing I've got my expenses met, my healthcare met. What could I do then? As I close this episode, I want to remind everybody that as I get through this fiscal year, remember, I'm building up a cash cushion. Now, I will say, let me stop here before I go forward and say that Vanguard really said that I wouldn't have to do this because they're so confident in what they're telling me. But this is just me. This is Evan talking to you (laughs) about my thought process. So let's say I just felt more comfortable with a 2.5 withdrawal rate. And again, that can change over time. But in the first, let's say, five to 10 years, which is so critical, as you guys know, because of the sequence of return risk. Are you following me? So yeah, let's keep that pretty low, 2.5. The fun money could come from my ally savings account. Let me explain what I mean by that. At the end of this fiscal year, you know right now my alley account, my money market, my online savings account is only earning a little bit of interest, what, half a percent, something ridiculous, but it's there for emergencies. But I'm going to be adding 20 grand in there at the end of this fiscal year to bring it to $56,000. So if you have $56,000, 
in that bucket, and we divide that by a $6,000 increment, you get like nine years. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Remember I said the fund money that I want to pay myself would be about 6000 Well, could I, if we get into a really bad, nasty recession coming up in 2022, 23, 24, 25, and we go into, I know we're not going to go into like a great depression or a recession, perhaps maybe a small one, who knows. But if that happens in the first five to 10 years of my retirement, could I take that 56000 the 6000 a year for fund money and only live off of the 2.5 withdrawal rate for my needs? See, that's how I want to teach you guys to think about these options as you go into thinking about how comfortable are you with an early retirement. And again, I know for many folks that might be in the FIRE community, they might be retiring at 40. That really scares me. I mean, I'd have to have so much money saved. Um, but for you guys, my latent lifesavers, my Broke at 40 listeners, as you go towards financial independence, this is how I want you to think is think outside the box. Think a little differently. And hopefully this episode is helping you today. So with that, everybody, I'm going to go ahead and close out this episode. Again, my guilty confessions. This is episode number three of Dear Dollar Diary. Um, just wanted to share with you that, you know, don't feel guilty. And I don't want to feel guilty about who I am. And I don't want you guys to be guilty of feeling who you are. If you're frugal, I hope that you are, because if you're late in life saving, you don't have that investment journey of compounding interest. So to adapt and to adopt a frugal mindset, I think, is super, it's going to give you the greatest chance of success over time. And that is what this is all about. So thank you for joining me on this episode of the Broke at 40 podcast. I'll see you this weekend real soon. Thank you.